we interrupt our regularly scheduled episodes to bring you this special Christmas series, The Ultimate Birth. Coming up. The, the text is telling us that this is love for God. Yeah. To keep his commands and it's not burdensome. Mm-hmm. That's how the NIV phrases it. Mm-hmm. So, so when we start thinking about, oh, it's, it's too heavy, it's too, it's too, it's too difficult, and we're gonna see the other translations kind of say it that way. God first, as I said a moment ago, God is helping us do it. That's part of the reason it's not too burdensome. Yeah. Hello, and thank you for joining us on One by One, the podcast ministry of Pastor Robert Scott of Quenched Life Christian Fellowship. Make no mistake, the first advent of Jesus Christ was the most significant birth in human history. It was certainly the ultimate birth, and with it came other ultimate factors. Join us for the message series where Pastor Robert and his wife Carolyn delve deeper into some of these factors that we would do well to consider every year at Christmas time. Here's the fourth message in the series, Jesus Christ brought ultimate love. For the past um, three messages, we've been in the series, The Ultimate Birth, speaking of the birth of Jesus Christ. The message subtopics have been uh, Jesus Christ brought ultimate hope. Jesus Christ brought ultimate peace. And Jesus Christ brought ultimate joy. Today's subtopic is Jesus Christ brought ultimate love. He brought ultimate love. So we need to ask the question. Write this down on your outline. What is the meaning of love? What is the meaning of love? Now there's a whole lot of, a lot, a whole lot that can be said about the meaning of love. Uh, because the Bible uses several Hebrew and Greek words for love in many varied contexts. Um, But for the purposes of this message, I want to focus on God's love for humankind and our response to him. According to the uh, Lexham Bible Dictionary, And uh, it says this, a feeling of deep affection, a central theme in scripture and Christian theology and ethics, and defines our relationship with God and dictates how we should treat others. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Lexham says uh, a lot more about love than what I just said, but I'm Again, trying to present this statement because we just want to focus the message. Likewise, um, the Oxford Dictionary of the of, of the Christian Church says about love. In Christian theology, the principle of God's action and man's response. And it goes on to say in the Old Testament, um, the loving character of God was recognized, 
notably, notably by Hosea, but it was only in the New Testament that the doctrine that love constitutes the essential nature of God was developed. And again, Oxford says a whole lot more, but we're trying to focus here. Mm-hmm. But it's important to note from these definitions, particularly here what Oxford says um, about the book of Hosea, um, because in that book, God commanded the prophet to uh, marry someone who would, who was and would continually be unfaithful to him. Mm-hmm. Think about that. God commanded him to marry someone who was already acting unfaithful and would continue to act act unfaithful after being married. God commanded him to do that. And God was using this, and we see in Scripture, um, he used this circumstance to convey and demonstrate his devotion and commitment to us through the prophet Hosea. Because Hosea stayed committed, even though she, mm-hmm. his wife, was mm-hmm. committing adultery. And God is the same way with us. Yeah. We are continually committing spiritual adultery mm-hmm. to God and breaking our vows to God and sinning against him in so many ways. Yeah. But God stays committed to us. And God used this as an expression, a demonstration, an illustration of his love for us, for his people. That's good. And then in the New Testament, as it goes on to say here in um, Oxford Dictionary, God provides a greater context of love. And he said, he, he says essentially that love is his nature, is a part of his nature. His nature is love. And we didn't get that until the New Testament came to understand that God is love. In fact, look what it says here in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. It says, whoever does not love does not know God Hmm. because God is love. It's part of God's intrinsic nature. Love is. He's love. And we got to get that. So if you don't love, then you don't know God. Now, let's not flip this around because this is not a statement that it can go both ways. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean love is God. um, Because it's saying God is love. It's not the same. All right. Let's make that clear. So no one, the the reason that we can even have the capacity to love is because God is love. Yeah. And so, but this also causes us to raise a question on our subtopic about how Christ brought love, Mm -hmm. the ultimate love. And that's the question on your outline. Why did the birth of Jesus Christ bring ultimate love? love. The first reason is because the eventuality of the first Christmas is rooted in love. 
the very first Christmas, the fact that it became a reality, it was rooted in love. Mm -hmm. Look what 1 John 4, 9 through 10 says. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Amen. Jesus came specifically as an expression of God's love for us mm -hmm. and to take away our biggest problem. And see, we, we got a whole lot of problems. And, we, and you, if I give you a sheet of paper and a pencil, you can start to write them down. But on that list, really, if we are clear-headed and open-minded and see life and our lives through the lens of God, from a biblical worldview, our biggest problem is our sin. That's our biggest problem. And I want to remind you, I mentioned this earlier in the series, that there was a time when human beings didn't have any problems. Talked about this, I think it was the first message. There was a time where human beings didn't have any problems. There's only two of them, only two human beings, Adam and Eve, but they had no problems. Mm -hmm. Zero. Yeah. And that's because God created and, and declared everything was good. Then he said it was very good after he created human beings. Mm -hmm. So oh, it was all good. And I share with you that they the only two human beings who could ever say rightly that is all good. No, no one else can really say that's that. Right, right. Jesus Christ can't even say that it was all good when he got here because it wasn't. Mm -hmm. That's why he came because right. it wasn't all good. That's right. Right. And so there was a time and of the list of problems we have from pains, hurts, frustrations, disappointments, whatever you're going to put on there and all the its derivatives in our lives and all the angles it hits us and from different people and circumstances that these problems hits us. The greatest problem we have is our sin problem. Mm -hmm. In fact, Sin is what caused all problems. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and so Jesus came specifically to deal with our greatest problem, and that's our sin. Mm -hmm. And that's real love. That's real love. That's love. That's love. You know. And I just want to give you an analogy so you can you can understand the difference. And because you you've experienced it in your life, I'm sure you have. You know where you had several problems and and someone came along and were were uh they were uh ready and willing to help you with at least one of your problems mm -hmm. um example might be you 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 needed some transportation you needed to you needed to go 15 miles excuse me 15 miles across town or whatever 
And they was going to say, well, I can take you five. I can take you five miles, you know? And so you, you, you take it. It's like, well, that's, then that only leaves me with 10 more to go. Right. right? You take it. Um, but if they were to say, you know what, I'm going to take you all 15. Mm -hmm. There's a difference. That's the difference. That's a difference. Yeah. And you would appreciate, wow. Are you going to go all the way? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. I'm, you know, you, then you try to give them a little change to, put some gas in their tank. He said, no, 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 no. I'm taking it. This on me. Yeah. In fact, you want to stop off and get something to eat while we, <laughs> <laughs> while we're on the way. Yeah. He, 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 they go all the way and mm -hmm. you understand the difference, mm -hmm. the sacrifice meant to go all the way. Jesus Christ came to go all the way Amen. for Amen. us. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. That's good. All the way, all to take us all the way back to a, real, a a life where there are no problems. Mm -hmm. That's what Christ came to do, y'all. Mm -hmm. And that's the eternal life because when we get when eternal when we get with God for all eternity there will be no problems. And it's only because Christ came that's right. that we can get back all the way. Amen. Amen. He's going to take us all the way. And he came to take us all the way. That's why he came. And to solve our biggest problem. Look what it says here in, um, in uh, John 316, mm -hmm. uh, perhaps the most popular passage in the scripture mm -hmm. uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him, shall not perish, but have eternal life, yeah. but have eternal life. Mm -hmm. And so we see here that God so loved, his love was so great that whoever believes, now this is implied in here, and we can find it stated pretty clearly in other places in scripture, is that if the whole world believed, mm -hmm. The sending of his son was sufficient to bring the whole world into everlasting life. Yeah. But it requires belief. And if they did, his, his coming, his dying, his living, his burial, his resurrection is sufficient mm -hmm. to cover the sin of the world. Amen. But it requires belief. Look what it says here in 1 John 3, 1. See what great love the Father has ha, ha, the Father love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. I want to pause for a minute there. It says, This great love. Now, first of all, Christ loved the whole world with a, a great love. But experiencing that love gets even better when you believe right <laughs> as right. we talked about in him sending his son mm -hmm. to die for our sin mm -hmm. and it says here that he's lavished on us that us is those who believe yeah because uh, it's it's a it's another layer of love a, a, a another level of love because we can experience it personally. Mm -hmm. 
Right. So, so see, people can love you, but if you don't accept their love, you won't experience that love. Mm-hmm. You just heard it. You you know you you know you come cognizant, you become cognizant of it, but you won't know it experientially. But when you come into belief, when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you now fully experience it personally and deeply. That's right. And that, as a passage reads, I'm going to read 1 John 3, 1 again. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. Mm. So it is those who believe Mm. who are called the children of God. Not everybody. Right. But those who believe, that's the us here, and that's the ones who experience the lavished love. Yeah. Amen of God. And it goes on to say, and, and that is what we are. Mm -hmm. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Mm. him. Mm. And so we experience complications here because this is not home, right? Because we are living with people who don't know him Mm -hmm. and therefore they don't relate well with us. Yeah. We are peculiar to them. <laughs> right, <laughs> and right. We are different to mm. them. We are unusual to them. Mm. We are strange. Yeah. Yeah. This is not home. Yeah. But yeah. when we get all the way back where Jesus came to take us, everybody there will be part of the us. Mm-hmm. And then we will be home. Amen. Then we will be home. And Christ came for that. That's why it's the ultimate, one of the reasons it's ultimate love, it was rooted in love. Mm-hmm. Then yeah. the second reason that it's the Jesus Christ brings ultimate love is because it allowed Jesus Christ to demonstrate the greatest love of all. It allowed him to demonstrate the greatest love of all. Look what it says here in John 15, 13, and this is Christ talking himself. Greater love has no one than this. All right, let's pause right there. Let's 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 get into that. The title of this sub message is the ultimate. Jesus brought the ultimate love. And now Jesus himself is saying the greater love has no one than this. And it goes on to say, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Mm -hmm. And he was speaking of himself and what he was going to do on that cross for you and I. And he said, there's no greater love than this. Mm -hmm. There's no greater love. John 19, 28 and 30 says here, And this is when Jesus was on the cross about to take his last breath to die for you and me. It says later, knowing that everything had now been finished and so that the scripture will be fulfilled, fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. Mm -hmm. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant 
and lifted it to Jesus's lips. He was on the cross, y'all. Mm -hmm. Verse 30, when he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. He died. Yeah. He took his last breath. And he did it for you and for me. Amen. Jesus demonstrated the greatest love of all. Mm -hmm. Greatest love of all. And once we, you know, we come to the place to understand the ultimate love that Jesus brought, it should lead us to another question. And that is on your outline, what can we do to fill our hearts with love this Christmas season? What can we do to fill our hearts with love this Christmas season? Mm -hmm. And this should be our response when we understand how great God's love is for us how is great his, he demonstrated it by sending his son. We should have a response to that. And we should be like, well, how can I uh, reflect that love? How can I respond properly to that love? Get love into my heart and help get love into others' hearts. Mm -hmm. What's my proper response, basically? Mm -hmm. So I want to give you some things that we can do to respond to God's great love. The first thing is we can do what God says. Mm -hmm. We can do what God says. That, that we understand that even in our own relationships, mm -hmm. when somebody say, I love you. And then you say, yeah, but I asked you to, to do this. And you, and it was a reasonable ask. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And in fact, you said you would, <laughs> you agreed to do it. And then you continually don't do what I ask. We would even question somebody's love in that regard. Yeah. So one of the things that we can do is do what God says as a proper response to his love he showed us. Look what it says here uh, in Philippians 2.13. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. It is God at work in you. So not only can we do what God says, God says, I'm going to help you do what I say. So I'm not telling you, I'm not giving you something to do without my assistance. I'm going to help empower you, direct you, you know, teach you how to do it. In fact, Christ came to disciple us on how to do it, to mentor us, to show us how to live down here in a way that's pleasing to God. Mm -hmm. So God has said, I'm going to help you do what I ask. So, you know, you're not by yourself, yet we still, we still lack the motivation at times to do what God wants us to do, even though God is helping us. Mm -hmm. Look what it says here in 1 John 5, 3 in the NIV. It says, in fact, 
This is love for God. So it's telling us right here. So God showed his love for you. Now he's saying, how can you show love for God? And it's given us uh, a straightforwardly, this is love for God. And it says to keep his commands. That's love for God. Mm -hmm. God's can, then it goes on to say, um, and his commands are not burdensome. So he said that the text is telling us that this is love for God yeah. to keep his commands and it's not burdensome. Mm -hmm. That's how the NIV phrases it. Mm -hmm. So, so when we start thinking about, oh, it's, it's too heavy, it's too, it's too, it's too difficult. And we're going to see the other translations kind of say it that way. God first, as I said a moment ago, God is helping us do it. That's part of the reason it's not too burdensome. Yeah. Look what the common English Bible says, same verse, 1 John 5, 3. This is the love of God. We keep God's commandments. God's commandments are not difficult. Yeah. So God is not asking us to do that we can't do. That's mm -hmm. hard. That's difficult to do. Mm -hmm. Right? And again, he says, I'm going to help you do it. I'm Not only am I going to help you do it, I'm going to help you want to do it. <laughs> That's even another layer of love that God is showing at us. I'm going to give you the, I'm going to help you have the desire and the will to do it. Then I'm going to help you actually accomplish it. Right. This is the part of the reason it's not hard to do. It's not difficult. And then the easy to read version translates the same passage. First John five, three loving God means obeying his commands and God's commands are not too hard for us. They're not too hard. So whenever you start to think as you're attempting to do what God says, that it's too hard understand something's wrong with your thinking. Yeah. Something's wrong with your thinking. Again, the per the point is, it's not too hard. It's not that there's no struggle with it, but it's that it's not a struggle that you can't overcome. That's the point. Because God has given you the desire, giving us a desire, and giving us the power to do it, the guidance to do it. So we can do it. We can get it done. Yeah. It being too hard is not the proper answer or way of thinking. We got to tell ourselves, whenever we tell ourselves it's too hard, tell ourselves that's not true. Even in fact, you might want to put this verse in your phone. <laughs> so when you yeah. get to the place where you're thinking it's too hard to do what God says, read 1 John 5, 3, when it tells you it's not too hard. That's good. <laughs> See, because sometimes we 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 lie to the, the enemy puts this, this lie in our head and then we, we, we agree with it. Get the scripture out. So whenever that happens, you don't you, you tell yourself it's, it's not too hard. I can do it. And you can read Philippians 2.13, as we read earlier, and say, God's going to help me. And you can pray, say, God, I need your help on this one. 
God, I need more help. I need more help. I need more help. I want to do what you say, but I need more help, Lord, to do what you say. And so it said it's not too hard for us. So obeying God is something we can do and should do. And here's another thing to think about. If we don't do it, and we should, and we could because God is helping us do it, we don't do what we should and could do, then you know what that is? That's neglect. It's neglect. We're being neglectful. True. Because I can do it, I should do it, and then I don't do it, you are being neglectful. Yeah. Yeah. And we've all experienced being neglected. As some overlooked and cast out at some point in our lives. We don't like the way that feels, do we? Nope. We don't like it when somebody bring food for everybody but you or get something for everybody but you. They don't consider you. They say hi to everybody in the room but you <laughs> or whatever. Whatever, however neglect shows up in your life, you are on the neglected side. We don't like the way that feel. And when we don't do what we could and should do in terms of what God commands, we're being neglectful to God. We're being neglectful to God. And we don't like how it feels when somebody's being neglectful to us. Think about that. So that we can do what God says, says um, and keep his commands and demonstrate that we love him back like he so greatly loved us. The second thing that we can do to fill our hearts with love this Christmas is we can forgive someone who has wronged us. us. We can forgive someone who has wronged us. Or should I say neglected us? <laughs> we can forgive someone who has neglected us. Look what it says in Proverbs 10, 12. Hatred causes arguments, but love overlooks all wrongs. Amen. I'll read that again. Hatred causes arguments, but love, it overlooks all wrongs. And, and that's pretty clear. Uh, look, look what Matthew 6, 14 and 15 says. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. And so, you know, that's part of the Lord's prayer. Yeah. And so th this reminds me of this, this couple that um, we used to go to church with. And they had a powerful testimony because their son was murdered. Hmm. And it was their only son, their only child that was murdered. Mm -hmm. And they wrestled with it. Obviously, you can tell that they were, you can just know that devastation came from that. But they came to the place and because they had a relationship with 
Christ, that they allow forgiveness to come into their heart. And, um, and, and, and what made it more difficult for them to get to that place was that their son was a giving, giving person. And, and he, in fact, he was murdered because he was trying to help somebody Mm. and his giving his, his giving him just giving and being helpful was what led to the murder. Mm. And so they met with the murderer had a conversation, met with him. I think they visited him in prison and told him that they forgive him. That's right. Powerful testimony. Yeah, yeah, that was powerful. Their only child. And so it, it reminds me, when I read this, it reminds me of their story. Mm-hmm. And hopefully it inspires you. If they can do that, then uh, we can <laughs> certainly forgive someone who bumped into our car or something. Mm. <laughs> mm. is something to think about. Yeah. The third thing that we can do to fill our hearts with love this Christmas season is we can help someone in need. We can help someone in need. You know, most people use Christmas to help people with wants. <laughs> yeah, not 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 so much with needs. Right, right. People create their Christmas lists on things they want. Mm-hmm. And we spend a lot of time getting people their wants. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about helping people with their need. Look what it says here in 1 John 3, 17. Suppose a believer who is rich enough to have all the necessities of life sees a fellow believer who is poor and does not have even basic needs. What if this, if the rich believer does not help the poor one? then it is clear that God's love is not in that person's heart. Hmm. Y'all see what the scripture says here? We talked about this earlier about if if you have no love, then you don't know God. And this is an example here. It's telling us here in John, 1 John 3, 17, that if you can meet somebody's basic need and you don't, then the love of God is not in your heart. So one of the things that we can do to fill our hearts with love this Christmas season is to help someone in need. Look what it says here in Deuteronomy 24, 21. We we see the concept lived out even in the Old Testament. Uh, Deuteronomy 24, 21 to 22, it says, when you harvest the grapes in your vineyard, do not go over the vines again. It's saying, don't go back for a second run to get all the grapes. 
is what mm -hmm. it's pointing to. Mm -hmm. Just go one time. If you lose, if you leave, miss some, leave them. And in fact, it goes on to say, leave the re what remains for the foreigner, mm -hmm. the fatherless, and the widow. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt. That is why I command you to do this. So here, and we're in De Deuteronomy. So God has, we've gone through Exodus already, which means God has delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt. He's, he's taking them into the promised land. He's giving them commands on how to live. And he says, don't take all, all the, all the, all the crops. <laughs> don't don't go back again and make sure you get all the crops that you harvest. Mm -hmm. Leave some. And he says, do this because you should remember where I took you from. Yeah. Yeah. That's what God is saying. Mm -hmm. Remember where I took you from. Mm -hmm. And he says, that is why he says explicitly, that is why I'm commanding you to do this. Mm -hmm. So when you help somebody in need, remember where you came from. I'm as I'm saying this, I'm remembering when I when I when I first left my parents' house and mm -hmm. <laughs> with nothing, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all, y'all give it. I, nothing. I, 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 I'm, I'm like, I, I gotta, I, we, I, you know, I'm, I gotta make a life for myself. You know. Oh my goodness. And I'm, 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 you know. So I, I remember it was, it was, it was nothing in the cupboards, and so, um, uh. <laughs> and I had to go to the grocery store to start filling the cupboards with something, mm -hmm. let alone get some furniture and someplace to sleep and whatever. Um, but I'm just saying, just remembering, and I'm telling you my story a little bit so you can think about yours. You, you haven't always been where you are now. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You haven't. And God is telling the children of Israel, y'all haven't always had it like this. Mm -hmm. And the only reason you do is because I brought you out. And I want you to remember those who have needs and don't hoard everything. Yeah. Don't take everything, leave something yes. for other people with needs mm -hmm. can get. And, I, and you do this because you remember where I brought you from. Mm -hmm. And God has brought us a mighty long way, y'all, mm -hmm. a mighty long way. So you sometimes we get so focused on on how further we want to go. You know, yeah. it's like oh, I, I want to I want to get this. I want to get a bigger house, mm -hmm. you know, a mm -hmm. better car mm -hmm. and a better job. And then you forget mm -hmm. when you had no job and no house <laughs> and no car. You know, you forget yeah. how you even got to where you are now. Mm -hmm. And then because you forgot, you become selfish, ungiving. And God is saying, that's that's not the way I want my people to, to act. Right. It's not the way I want my people to think. Mm -hmm. So you want to fill your heart with love. Mm -hmm. Remember. Yeah. And then Matthew 19, 19, 
says, reflecting Old Testament passage, it simply says, love your neighbor as yourself. Amen. And so remembering this is part of loving your neighbor is remembering your past circumstances. Yeah. And be willing to help somebody and out. And be willing to help somebody. Mm -hmm. That's what loving your neighbor, part of what loving your neighbor is, is. Mm. You want to fill your heart with love, help somebody in need. And the last thing point I want to make about what you can do to fill your hearts with love this Christmas season is we can be selfless. Mm -hmm. We can be selfless. Think about ourselves less. Philippians um, 2, 1 through 4 says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being in one spirit and one mind. Verse three, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, value others above yourselves not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Mm -hmm. So this passage is, is telling us to mm -hmm. be selfless. Mm -hmm. And then the chapter goes on and references what Christ did. And this is what we're talking about, the love that Christ brought, the ultimate love. Mm -hmm. Philippians 2, 5 through 8 goes on to say, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Christ, his humility, his selflessness, mm -hmm. his love for you and I caused him to be on the cross. I love the songs that say things like, and I'm thinking of one of Fred Hammond's song now, and he says, it was my sin that held you to the cross. Christ could have came down, but because he knew he was there, because of my sin and your sin, he didn't come down. Amen. He stayed there. Our sin was the nails that held him there. Because he loved us so much. You've been listening to One by One. Here's a personal message from Pastor Robert. You may have never said yes to Jesus Christ. Do you know that God loved you so much that he sent his son to die for your sin? If you're ready to say yes to the love that God showed, pray this prayer. Lord God, 
I admit that I've sinned against you. I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sin. And I commit my life to you. I ask that you come into my life, come into my heart, take control, transform me into the character of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I want to be the first to welcome you to the family of God. And I want to encourage you to find a church where you can learn more about Jesus, draw closer to God and to other believers. God bless you. To learn more about Quench Life Christian Fellowship, visit quenchlife.org. You can follow us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and connect with us on LinkedIn. Also, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at quenchlifecf to receive regular words of encouragement and ministry updates. Thank you for listening.